Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, everyone. It's Ravi from Brighton in the UK, and you're listening to the Amazingly Fantastic Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, folks. That was the voice of young Ravi, who a couple of years ago, aged just six, was diagnosed with a brain tumour. A benign tumour in his brain stem and despite 10 hours of surgery doctors weren't able to remove the whole thing and Ravi lives with its effects every single day. After learning to walk and feed himself again and determined to return to his passions of music and maths and sport Ravi lives his life to the max with bravery, fun and inspirational strength. He's, his dream is to have a future where tumours like his could be treated without the type of surgery that he went through and he's been raising money to fund that dream ever since including production of a wonderful music video version of a million dreams with stars such as paloma faith jimmy somerville and the man himself hugh jackman taking part and i think it's fair to say catherine and matt catherine joining me from turin on the final night of the atp finals matt safely arrived in malaga I think it's safe to say that when we watched uh, that video of A Million Dreams, we all had the very same reaction. Matt and I watched it first and uh, very quickly confided in one another that we were in tears. And uh, Catherine, I mean, it really is incredible, isn't it? Yes, and I was in tears, but I also felt tremendously happy. It's very, very uplifting and inspiring and all sorts of other trite words, which I know sound trite, but it just is. It's absolutely lovely and life-affirming and we should all try and be more Ravi. What a what a cool kid Ravi seems. And um, yeah, really honoured to have him introduce the show and to know that he's he and his family are listeners. It's really lovely. Yeah. Good on him. That's right. Well, Ravi's mum, Bethan, wrote to us to tell us that Ravi and all the family are, are big fans of tennis. I've seen pictures of Ravi playing balloon tennis in, with, his, with his sister in the, in the front room um, and that they're all fans of the Tennis Podcast. So we really are honoured to have him introducing our show. We wanted to tell you about his story and the fact that he's raised nearly £90,000 so far. And he has a fashion show that he's running next week. I mean, how cool is this kid? He's got his own fashion show. Like a mogul. <laughs> it's unreal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and listen, we're going to link to Ravi's website and his music video in our show notes and in the newsletter that will be going out in a couple of days' time. And 
just in case, just in case you want to look at his website right now, it is ravisdream.com. So hello to Ravi and all the family. Thank you so much for introducing our show. And um and I think it's 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 been a it's a nice show to be doing really because it has been a fantastic week of tennis overall at the ATP finals. You know, we'll talk about the results that we've had the last three days, Catherine, since we last spoke on Friday. But it, it did occur to me as we were sort of wrapping up the tournament, what a brilliant tour ending finals this has been this year. You know, it, I often come out of the tour finals feeling like there haven't been many good matches and, and all this sort of thing. But whilst they were relatively straightforward the last couple of days, it's been an absolute stonker of a tournament. It has. Yeah, I I, I do think it, it, it did tail off just a little bit at the end R- relative to expectations. You know, we had that unbelievable semi-finals lineup which could only no matter what scenario played out lead to an incredible finals and if you if you look at where we are now looking back on those three matches compared to where we were when we last podded we'd probably have said we were hoping for more but yes I think on aggregate I agree with you it has been really great and I think the the Frankly, that's mostly down to the quality of tennis. Yes, the crowd are great, they, and they really are great here in a way that, that I've not experienced anywhere else. They're like a football crowd. It is, you know, the the chanting and the olays and everything is um, is is very special here, um, and and it's just the right size of stadium to incubate that crowd noise and atmosphere and all the rest of it so yes there is all of that but I think fundamentally the quality of the tennis is really high and obviously that's largely down to the fact that you've got the eight best players in the world but you had the eight best players in the world in Cancun and with the best will in the world if the conditions aren't right then those eight best players aren't going to be able to show you what they're capable of which is what what this events about really it's saying this is the best of the best of this sport look at this showcase and I think this court the speed of it um, enables those players to do that which is smart of the ATP quite frankly you could argue that some of the matches are a little too serve dominated the doubles definitely this was not a a doubles tournament for Matt, I don't think, who already um, struggles a little bit with with men's doubles because of how serve dominated it was. The doubles was incredibly serve dominated, um, and the odd the odd match in the singles was as well. But I think by and large, um, it it led to some just sumptuous baseline tennis with a good amount of variety sprinkled in, which is. It's a heady concoction. Mm, it is. Matt, when you look at the last couple of days, the results that we've had, I mean, first of all, we had Sinner getting past Medvedev, which I think in itself was a really impressive win, actually, given the record between the two of them overall, the fact that Sinner lost the second set and still then found another gear in the third. But if we just talk, first of all, about the two matches that we've just seen, both won by Novak Djokovic, frankly, routinely beating the two most exciting young players in the world in Carlos Alcaraz and Yannick Sinner. He's beaten Alcaraz 6-3, 6-2. He's beaten Sinner 6-3, 6-3 in Sinner's 
home in front of Sinner's own fans. Do you come out of that marvelling at Djokovic mostly, or do you look at Alcaraz and Sinner and think, oh, well, that wasn't very good? Good question, because that, that very much is what is kind of at the forefront of my mind as I as I watch these matches and as I watch 36-year-old Novak Djokovic be able to just dominate the rest of the ATP tour as he has done this year. And mostly, I absolutely fall on the side of Novak Djokovic is remarkable. And I think particularly in these two matches, he was remarkable. I think... Um, I think Tomani Carriol, writing in The Guardian, put it well, where he, he described a little flurry that Alcaraz had in the second set, you know, where he, st- he started Alcarazing, didn't he? he? He he did some incredible things, two points in a row. And then Tomani wrote that Djokovic just lifted his level into the stratosphere. And I thought that was that was pretty apt, really, because it was one of those moments where Alcaraz has got the crowd up. And I thought, OK, this this is it. This is where the match turns. And then I think he lost six points in a row as as Djokovic just sort of slammed the door in his face, and we've seen him we've seen him do that so many times. And I think what amazes me about Djokovic is that like there must have been a decline generally in in certain aspects of his game. You know, like I don't think he's quite as explosive as he maybe used to be. You know, movement wise, and he doesn't he doesn't quite sort of scramble as as maybe as well as he used to but he's completely made up for it by developing other aspects of his game and 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 that's created an overall package which doesn't feel like it's diminished at all you know and I'm I'm talking a lot there about his serve I mean he didn't he didn't lose serve in either of these matches against Alcaraz and Sinner two of two of the best returners you know I know I know the court's fast but Djokovic is so good with his serve these days and his forehand is is cutting through the court in a way that it didn't used to. I think there was a stat that he was he was hitting his forehand between 10 and 20 kilometers per hour faster than Yannick Sinner in the match today and yet he wasn't making more errors. You know, his forehand was bigger but it was also the more solid one. It, it was absolutely remarkable. And then when you combine those developments in his game with the fact that he's able to assert all of his aura and he's able to assert sort of his dominance and you know he's felt all the all of these pressures of these matches before in a way that you know Yannick Sinner hasn't for example it just creates this this package of a player which right now in in the absence of you know fellow greats in in Rafael Nadal and and Roger Federer he, he's sort of got men's tennis to himself it feels like at the moment so you know chapeau to Novak Djokovic hats off he he has been astonishing all year and he still is but looking at these two matches I did expect a bit more from Alcaraz and uh, and Sinner I thought they were a bit wayward and error strewn and by the time they sort of started to find their feet in the match Djokovic had kind of taken over and sort of crushed their soul and spirit a little bit as well. So, yes, I expected more, but no about Djokovic is blooming good at tennis. He is quite good, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I mean, I think, Catherine, Matt makes a very interesting point, trying to compare and contrast Novak Djokovic of of before and now. And, and, and I mean, I I come down on the, the side that 
overall he's a better player now. He he's he actually he might not be able to sort of play as often and do so many spectacular things with his body maybe as he used to do but overall with the serve with the volley with the sort of the court craft and the 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 whole package of 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 mental strength and the way he's able to almost halfway through the tournament he he said it in the interview afterwards didn't he Catherine on your coverage how he he just he went through these stages within the tournament of winning the match against Runa to 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 seize the number one, which was a big deal to him, and then kind of have a bit of a dip, have a bit of flatness about him, which I don't think is surprising. He's often had that second round robin group match not go so well, and and I mean when he played Sinner in the second match, I mean Sinner was amazing. But Djokovic was just trying to have a toe-to-toe. It was almost like he was experimenting and just just seeing what he could do with the tennis ball. This wasn't that, was it? This last two days wasn't that. This was Novak Djokovic winning. I am going to go out and win. And there's a mode that he has that I don't think anybody else has that mode, just a winner's mode. Alcaraz might win, Sinner might win, but they do it with shot-making. Djokovic is almost like he's got He's got a formula. He's got an absolute cast iron, sure thing formula for winning tennis matches that he really needs to win. Yes, he's defined by ruthless efficiency in every possible way, isn't he? I know a lot of a lot of people will tell you the mark of a champion is not ever being able to turn off the tap, you know, to to be in the same mode play every point the same Nadal like no matter what the score no matter whether it's a round robin match or a a knockout match or a final or a 250 or a grand slam you know in the words of Stefanos Tsitsipas at this tournament a couple of years ago um you know being prepared to die out there um but that's not the case for Novak Djokovic the mark of his brilliance during this era is deploying deploying what's needed when he he didn't need to win those group stage matches now I know he he cut it a bit fine he was relying on Yannick Sinner's victory over Holger Runa to get him through but ultimately he's got this down hasn't he 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 knows what's required of him to qualify from the group and to peak when required and I know words like efficiency aren't sexy and he probably deserves something better but it is at the root of his his brilliance he I mean just looking back now we ran a a graphic in the build-up to the match on our prime coverage about the number of times that a, a player has taken on a world number one twice in the same week at this event and it's happened quite a lot um and no player has ever beaten that world number one twice it's never happened and looking at that graphic I just thought there is no way Novak Djokovic is going to be the first man that happens to (laughs) it's just no it's just no I don't care what this tennis match looks like I don't care whether he comes out you know, having to run drum serve because his shoulders dropped off or something. Or, and Yannick Sinner looks like the best tennis player of all time. It doesn't add up. The, Novak Djokovic is just not going to let himself be that guy. And it does just feel like 
when he needs to turn it on. I know there are exceptions, the Wimbledon final this year most notably. But basically, he produces what he needs to when he needs to do it. That is the bottom line with Novak Djokovic. He seems to have this ability to go... Oh, I really want to win today, so I will. Like he came out today and went, I could really do his serving really well today. So he makes 14 out of 16 first serves in the first set or something like that. Like as if it's as easy as just deciding. But with Novak Djokovic, it is, seemingly. Mm. When he really needs to, yeah. No, that's it, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, and and not to not to stray from Djokovic, I'm I'm, I'm sure we can get back to him, but that point you're making there, Catherine, about you know the fact that no one had beaten the world number one twice in the same tournament, and and the fact that Djokovic has got this quality of you know doing what he needs to do in in any given circumstance, I, th- I think that that does sort of bring us on to you know should Yannick Sinner have actually you know tank that match against Holgaruna and, and, and take a Novak Djokovic out of the tournament. And look, I, I totally understand why he didn't. He was playing in Italy. He wanted to beat Holgaruna for the first time. Look, of, of course I get that. And I'm not, I'm not surprised that he didn't. But it, it did sort of make me think that a lot of people have been saying that, you know, that's, that's the real champion move for Yannick Sinner to do that, you know, to, to put your heart and soul into that match. And look, maybe, maybe that is true, but equally, perhaps the, the baller move and, and, and the more sensible move would have been to say, you know what, I've beaten Novak Djokovic once at this tournament, I've proven it already, and off you go, Novak, and I'm, and I'm now going to sort of clean up and and sweep this tournament look and I, I get I get why he didn't but I I think you're right that sort of champions can be built in different ways and it's not it's not necessarily the case that you know it was it was the wrong thing to do for Yannick Sinner to tank that match you know because maybe maybe he would have ended up lifting the title had he and titles are do you ultimately think somebody would have done? Do, you th- do you think there's somebody out there in the top 10 that would have have just let that match go. I, I certainly think there's players that wouldn't have put in the effort, wouldn't have gone to the dark places that Yannick mm. Sinner went to a lot. I, I, I think, I, I'm not sure there's any that would have fully tanked. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the line between a full tank and a and a semi-tank is a, is a blurry one, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of players, particularly when it went to a deciding set, they might not have walked on the court thinking, I'm not bothered about this. They'd have probably thought, see how it goes, see how physical a match this ends up being, how much energy I have to deploy. Um, But I think an awful lot of top players, I mean, Medvedev, I'm looking at you, and definitely Novak Djokovic and probably Holger Runer and I, I, I don't know, lots would have, would have, when it went into that third set and you're feeling your lower back thought, well, actually, conveniently, <laughs> one extremely likely looking outcome of this situation is that the greatest threat to me winning this title goes out. How blooming fantastic is that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I do. I mean, was was Daniel Medvedev putting in full effort against Carlos Alcaraz? Certainly in that second set, I don't, I don't know. I mean, what? Where does loss of edge 
end and tanking begin. I don't mm. think he was tanking. I don't think he had an edge either. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm glad that he he I, he did what he did against Runa really overall, because, but. But I would have still found it quite funny if it have, if it have not if it have revealed a dark side to himself that we didn't know he had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I think maybe at this sort of still fairly early stage in Sinner's career, you know, it is best for him to still have that mentality of, you know, all out all the time. You know, that's that's sort of how he's got to where he is already. I'm, I'm not questioning his decision. I guess I'm questioning the analysis that the only way to be a true champion you know is to is to sort of go full out win that match because you're right there's there's a difference between that and just slightly not having the edge for the big picture i suppose it's it's the way novak djokovic manages five set matches isn't it which mm. is what he is better at than anybody else in history there are periods in five set matches where he's not as dialed in is the rest of the time he's riding out a lull because he knows he'll dial it back in later when it matters most, when his energy is more needed and more efficiently deployed. I think overall we would we would look at Sinner's week and think net positive, quite a significant net positive. Is Would you agree with that? Massive. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. What about Carlos Alcaraz? Because... I was just thinking, you know, back to he had some good wins at the US Open and then he had a disappointing loss to to Medvedev from his perspective. He hasn't really been himself since he lost that Cincinnati final. Like he hasn't completely wowed us and convinced us, I don't think at least, in the same way. I thought he was going to win that Cincinnati final. I was watching it back actually on the prime coverage when when they when they had build up time and fill time and it was really interesting to watch that and it felt because of the Wimbledon win, he had the mental edge at that spot at that point. And I felt like Djokovic was having to wrestle with his own self-belief just a little bit there and convince himself and prove to himself that he got this guy, that he could take this guy out. And Cincinnati proved to him that he could, even when it was tight, even when Alcaraz was playing well. I I just see little flickers of self-doubt in, in Alcaraz at the moment. And I I wonder about whether he's slightly in awe of Djokovic and the fact that he's playing practice sets with him and losing them like i mean i think he lost one 6-1 the other day is, is what what i heard and he i don't know whether that's the smartest thing to do really to play practice sets with novak djokovic and to practice with him generally i think he he he's he's got to build himself up a little bit again i feel in his mind and uh, and i just wonder whether you feel that he has been damaged a little bit psychologically by what's happened the last few months Catherine what do you think yes I do I do think that Cincinnati final set him back a bit temporarily um I I actually don't think this week is a negative for Carlos Alcaraz he actually quite significantly exceeded my expectations for him this week I think I think his trip to Turin is a neutral if not a a minor positive, the fact that he was able to improve so much with each match. And okay, he ran into Novak Djokovic yesterday and fell fell pretty short. Um, 
But I still think it <laughs> when he was good, it, particularly in that second set, it was the most comfortable he's looked on that court. Rafael Nadal never got there with these surfaces, with an, a fast indoor court. I think Alcaraz will get there more so than Nadal ever has, but it's going to take a long time. So actually, I think I think this this week in Turin has been kind of fine for Novak Djokovic, uh, for for Carlos Alcaraz rather. But I definitely do with, agree with the larger analysis that that was a setback mentally and perhaps the first big one that he's had in his career it was just all upward tra- trajectory wasn't it for for Alcaraz and I see the same I see those flickers of self-doubt and uh, the practice sets thing I, I wonder whether he'll do it again I do um, I don't blame him for doing it but having lost 1-6-1 one, one, um yeah, I do. I, I, I maybe we'll keep a close track on that. Whether that sort of makes him think twice about it. I mean, look at Yannick Sinner today. First set, first set is all about Djokovic being utterly unplayable. His first serve in those conditions, the way he was delivering it and backing it up, a course in the back of the court, but it was unplayable. Chapeau, Novak Djokovic. Second set was quite a different story. There were moments midway through the second set, Sinner's a breakdown. He's at the nothing to lose stage of proceedings. Djokovic got so tight and Sinner had him on the ropes and he played the reputation in those moments. Sinner let him off the hook. And it's understandable. This is... This is what Novak Djokovic does to people. He makes you think that you've got to go for that little bit extra on your forehand. He makes an extra thought cross through your mind before you decide to hit a shot that leads to indecision and a a framer or a miss hit or whatever it might be. He makes you doubt yourself in, in the way that you never would against somebody else. Um, but <laughs> it is a little bit troubling to see that happening to these to the generation that is supposed to not have the scar tissue against Novak Djokovic yet. We've kind of written off Tsitsipas in, in, in progressively over the last 10 years. We've written off Dimitrov. We've written off Team. We've written off Tsitsipas and Zverev. They've all got too much scar tissue. But don't worry, along come these 20-year-olds and 21-year-olds that are, that are fresh and have all the chutzpah. They haven't built it up yet. And yet here they are building it up. Now, I, I still think it's it's reversible, but um, it, it is, it's pretty extraordinary and a tiny bit alarming to see that happening in, in one so young. Yeah, I, I think that's all really, really interesting. What I would say is that, like I don't think Alcaraz would swap his 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 head to head with Djokovic this year. Like I think, I think he would still want to have won that Wimbledon one over over the others. Like I know he may well have gone on to win the French Open if you give him that semi final. He he probably would have beaten Kasparud, um in the final, but you know he did sort of win the big one. So I think sort of overall it's been. You know, it's been a great year, obviously, for Alcaraz. And I, I don't think we're quite there yet with Alcaraz in terms of baggage. But I but I do agree that 
something does seem to have shifted a little bit since that since that Cincinnati final. Like, I mean, he must have thought he had scaled the mountain beating Djokovic in in the Wimbledon final over five sets. You know, I mean, extraordinary. And then the next time he plays him, you know, this guy is just back at him again going, what was it? Almost about four hour match, wasn't it? In brutal conditions and Djokovic saved a match point. And then, you know, there must have just been this feeling of, gosh, right. Okay. You're, you're coming at me again, are you? And I think he was a bit shocked yesterday, Alcaraz. Like he said, I was, I was not at that level. And I, I, th- I think he was shocked by how good and how sort of conditioned Djokovic was just in that moment in a way that, in a way that he wasn't. And I just, I just back Alcaraz to learn from that and get better from that in a way that I think some other players have just accumulated so much, so much baggage. I still think Alcaraz is different, but um, yeah, you're right. It, it, it has become really, really interesting that rivalry. If, you know, it was already, but even more so now. Yeah, there are there are different elements at play. I mean, I'm fascinated to see what what a Carlos Alcaraz uninjured off season looks like, and what he mm. comes out like in 2024 physically and and I mean I think I'm really interested to see him at the Australian Open the conditions wise the court the heat it seems to me that it should suit him down to the ground but you know we'll we'll wait and see I'm again I'm not there's a lot of reasons why I'm not a huge fan of him playing against Novak Djokovic in Saudi Arabia but I also think again you're playing him in in an exhibition I'm not sure that's the best idea I think you've got to have Mm. a, a bit of distance from him i think i think that Djokovic is finding out more about you than you're finding out about him yeah really he's he's the wily veteran with with all these years of experience under his belt just accumulating data i think you're having a great time and you know experiencing the tour and experiencing these situations but i'm not as convinced that it's the best idea yeah yeah i I couldn't agree more roger federer used to invite the youngsters didn't he to come in to come and hit with him in in the off season, and they all they all went, wow, brilliant! Oh my god, I'm getting to hit with Roger Federer and lovely. And Roger Federer gets to look like he's sort of doing community service for the youth, but actually <laughs> he's being utterly ruthless and and data gathering. Two birds, one stone. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, it's it's still a mouthwatering prospect, though, isn't it? The thought of. Australia 2024 hopefully they're just all fit and they can all have an off-season uh, Boris Becker and Holger Rune have have revealed that they're going to be extending their partnership into the new year and and for the whole of 2024 that's going to be really interesting and personally I think next year is is just fascinating for Novak Djokovic generally because you know we know how much he has targeted majors over the last few years and and he has rocketed into the lead in the Grand Slam race and I've no doubt that those are still going to be the priority but it's interesting to hear him talk about you know kind of wanting to break every record that he possibly can and you know he he's it there's two main ones that I look at and 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 those are the number of ATP titles generally he's moved on to 98 now uh Jimmy Connors is on 109 I believe so you know still still a way to go but it's it it's within sight. And then, of course, the Olympic gold, which I just think is huge for Djokovic next year. And I was, I was thinking about Djokovic's career today, and I noticed this slight pattern that what I would call his best ever seasons 
have always been just before an Olympic year. And he hasn't been able to then turn it into an Olympic gold medal. You know, think 2011, extraordinary season, gets to number one, the winning streak. 2012 Olympics, he he lost to Mario, didn't he? And then 2015 was that year where he was absolutely sublime. Um, And then 2016 Olympics, he loses to... Juan Martín del Potro and leaves the court in tears. I think the 2020-21 sort of Olympic cycle is all sort of ruined really because of COVID. But now we're in a situation again where he's had an extraordinary season going into an Olympic year. And I, th- I just think that's going to be such a such a huge priority for him. And it might it might make him a little bit more vulnerable at, at the slams. He's going to have to think about his his scheduling, I think. I think it might make him more vulnerable at the Summer Slams for sure. Because mm. looking back on the 2020 Olympics that were staged in 2021, ironically, given how enormous a goal Olympic gold is for him, because of the incredible season that he ended up having, the Olympics sort of became an inconvenience mm. for him because he was on for the calendar slam. And what he really could have done with was focusing on the US Open. But then it became about the Golden Slam. Oh, my God, you could do what only Steffi Graf has done before you. But then by not winning Olympic gold, that momentum got interrupted. And there was the whole hoo-ha with the mixed doubles, wasn't there? They ended up pulling out of... It was a very strange tension between that being one of his ultimate goals, but actually it coming at a totally inconvenient moment in his career. Well, it is entirely plausible that that could happen next year and he would need to make the most difficult of choices mm-hmm. about what to prioritise because he will be 37 at the time of the Olympics. I know he's defying what being 37 means, but he's defying it by making smart choices about his schedule. And those choices aren't going to get any easier. Yeah, it will be. It will be very interesting to see how he manages that that situation. And and also just what goes before too, because your season, I suppose, looks different if you've won the first two Grand Slams of the year or or not. Um, that that decision-making element might, might impact things, I suppose. And everybody is always keen to point out, players are always keen to point out that one of the things that's hardest on the body is change of surface. Mm. Well, he's going to go clay, grass, clay. I mean, everybody is within a very short space of time. And I know the natural surfaces are kinder on the body than hard court. But again, 37 years old, that's it's going to be a tough summer. Mm. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Absolutely. Well, in the doubles, we had um, another defense of a title and another incredible run by Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram, who've now won their last 10 matches, I was hearing you saying, Catherine, in the, in the prime coverage, that they've won 10 matches in a row in Turin, two undefeated titles, to end the season winning the ATP finals, beating Horacio Zabias and Marcel Agrinoyas 6-3, 6-4, they also won the US Open. They'd won three in a row of those. And it's just hard to fathom, to credit, that these two were really struggling for the first six months of the year. I mean, I think they were even questioning their partnership, which is, what, five years old now. It, ha- it wasn't happening for them. And suddenly now they are the team. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they pretty much said they were uh, questioning their partnership. And I wonder if that'll send a, a message to other teams about, you know the the value of sticking with it through through rough times i mean that's not going to be the right course of action for for everyone but it does seem to be there's quite a lot of knee jerk hitting the panic button if things aren't aren't going right um and i'm so glad it's paid off for them and they're they're expert at defending titles aren't they they're the anti daniel medvedev <laughs> three back to back us open titles and now two back-to-back titles here. They're obviously a team that just come to places and suddenly feel completely at home and and unbeatable. And it was, I mean, I, I'm assuming, Matt, because you're in Malaga and Davis Cup focused, I'm assuming you weren't able to watch that doubles final. Yeah, don't watch it back, Matt. Uh, it's about as serve-dominated a, uh, a performance as you can get from from Ram and Salisbury, um, which is what works in these conditions. We are at altitude here in Turin. I know only 300 metres, but it it definitely makes makes a difference. Um, and frankly, they they were unplayable today with with both their serves firing the way they were. It was uh, it was a masterclass. I hope I'm okay to share this because I had a message earlier from Matt Futterman now of The Athletic and I think he'd, he'd been watching that doubles and he, he messaged to say, how would I feel about only one serve in doubles? He said, 
I think it could save it faster, more rallies, breaks and lead changes. And I, I haven't I haven't formulated my full thoughts on that yet, but I I do think that it would only be it would only apply to men's doubles for sure because I don't I don't think it's such an issue uh, in women's doubles or mixed doubles because yeah it just isn't as serve dominated but yeah I, I do find men's doubles quite a tough watch sometimes just because it, it's so serve dominated if you can't get that return back you know if you're not know about Djokovic being able to read serves and put them back on opponent's toes which I feel like I spent my entire weekend watching him do that if you can't do that and not many can I don't think it makes for a for a brilliant spectacle generally you do get some amazing sharp rallies at the net and and, and the reflexes are kind of astonishing and, and the hand skills and all of that but it's a lot of it's a lot of serving and walking to the other side in between. Mm, that's very interesting. Very interesting. One serve. I think I might I might quite like that. <laughs> I'd um, love to see it trialed for yeah. sure. Stick it in the next gen. I don't have any doubles. Um, Catherine, I think we've got to lose you now, haven't we? Um, it's uh, it's time for you to go and uh, join your colleagues uh, on the Prime Video team because tonight is the farewell party from Amazon Prime Video in the UK. It um, is. It's, it's been five years. Yes. Um, I, I have to say, you were incredible today. Your presenting of that coverage was amazing and, uh, and couldn't, couldn't believe how good it was. Well, I could believe. But anyway, it was amazing. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel now that you've done your final event for Prime Video? All right, really. It's been great, but it feels very fitting that um, the first thing I do after coming off air is come back and record a podcast with my favourite people. Oh. Um, oh. So, yeah, I feel I feel all right, and I feel I always feel all right about leaving the pod a, a bit early because it means that I get a bit of the pod to listen to yeah tomorrow when i'm when i'm in a car at 7 a.m yeah because i'm going to ask matt stuff now uh, so <laughs> bye bye <laughs> Catherine. we'll do shout outs in the next episode make it good guys yeah we're not even going to do an episode mascot because there's no chance that we can have pets being discussed not in Catherine's company so uh, Catherine, have a lovely night uh, travel safely back home and we'll speak to you tomorrow bye bye, bye. Bye. I, I'm going to miss Catherine presenting the tennis terribly. It's it, it it's been it's been amazing, and I'm also going to miss being able to um, count my Amazon Prime subscription as a work work expense. <laughs> Very good point, <laughs> Matt Roberts. <laughs> oh, right, Malaga. How, how's today been? Do you know two of my favourite things happened today? The first was. I got praised for my Spanish by the taxi driver, which is oh, yes. always a great moment because I'm always worried that I'm losing it every year. But that was a good moment. And I got mistaken for a tennis player. Oh, come on then. <laughs> who, who, who mistook you for a tennis player and which tennis player? <laughs> well, the same taxi driver. There was a, there was a serious mix-up because my flight was about an hour delayed and I got in at the same time as the Serbian team and while while sort of we were all arriving at the airport at the same time I think they were just expecting to be picking up the Serbian team so I said I'm here for transport and he went ah yes 
let's go. And he sort of started talking to me and it, and, and it became apparent that he thought I was, yeah, I think he thought I was Laszlo Gera. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the credit to my Wilson jumper that I was wearing. Shout out Wilson. Okay. I, I maybe just, I maybe just looked a bit more like a tennis player than I might normally, but but we did get halfway to the car, and I think he realised I didn't have any tennis rackets whatsoever, and that he'd made a terrible mistake, and actually, Laszlo Gera was meant to be getting him in, in my car, and and not me, so I was I was handed over to someone else. <laughs> Similar backhands. Um, he, he, he knew, he knew. Okay, well, uh, so. What, what, what's happening next, Matt? Because the, the Davis Cup final starts on Tuesday. Novak Djokovic is going to be on his way. Um, what happens tomorrow on Monday? Yeah, so lots of press conferences tomorrow. Uh, we had just one today, which was the defending champions. Uh, Canada were in, were in their press conference today. Um, you know, tennis, tennis comes at you fast. One minute you're talking about... Yannick Sinner and and the future, and the next minute you're in a Milos Raonic press conference, and <laughs> and, and it's all it's all just yeah, it's just a lot to get your head around, I suppose. Um, but Ojeda Seem was there, and you know he's he's obviously going to be a big player for Canada. He was he was talking about the fact that he went out onto the centre court and sort of tried to tried to take in some of the memories from last year because you know it's the same arena and, and and he sort of led Canada to that to that title last year and yeah I think he's just very pleased to be back um he he's certainly got a lot better memories of this event than I have because unfortunately tennis podcast listeners will remember that I only managed I think two podcasts last year before getting struck down by flu so a lot of people here have been saying to me hope you hope you managed to last longer than two days this this year Matt and I'm like yeah that that is the plan um but yes so hopefully I will make it through the event and we've got lots of press conferences tomorrow and then sort of all the action gets underway on Tuesday as you said oh I'm pumped uh, well, I hope you. Most of all, I hope you uh, you're fighting fit all week long to properly enjoy it this time. Because mm. um, I mean, you know, it was a uh, it was distressing to see you so ill last time, and uh, yeah, I'm just not going to allow it this time. Matt, so you need to be in good shape. <laughs> um, we have our own mascots, although we're not going to reveal our week's mascot until tomorrow when Catherine can fawn all over the picture. <laughs> that I've got in front of me right now. Uh, I've got Maisie, and Maisie, I disgraced us with my Andre Rublev pick, which I kind of did as a joke because I just thought, well, I'm so far ahead anyway. I don't need to worry about it. <laughs> I'll just go for my old mate Andre. Um, Catherine has got Xenia. Matt's got Darwin. No, none of us won, did we? None of us went for Novak Djokovic. What on earth were we thinking? <laughs> well, I, when you're last, like I am, you need points. And oh. although Novak Djokovic guarantees you points, I suppose, maybe that would have been the smart play. He doesn't, he doesn't get you very many. So, no. s- story of my year, really. Near miss, Yannick Sinner. Uh, oh, dear. Yeah. Well, that was a good shout. You, you did. You did. You're proud. Um, uh, Billy Jean the dog is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. Our top folks and executive producers are Jamie, Hannah, and Drew. We don't have shout outs today because uh, we're going to save them for tomorrow. But just a little bit of a reminder to go and check out Ravi's website. Our wonderful intro for today: ravisdream.com. It, it'll. It'll really make you feel 
special to, to see his journey and to, to realize what he's done under such difficult circumstances. And uh, we're thinking of you, Ravi, and we're, we're right behind you. Keep going. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.